Welcome to the Carpe Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it, and if the truth hurts, you bear it. Yeah, so we're going to bear it all tonight, bear it all for you to hear on the podcast here. <laughs> but not like what we did in the WAP episode. That was oh, a, no. That no was, yeah. No. I just don't. wanted to make sure our listeners knew that this is a, a different kind yeah, that was icky. of bearing. That was icky. There will be no bucket. There will be no mop. There will be no macaroni in the pot. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why do you have that memorized? <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's like a... You know how visually when you see a train wreck and you just can't look away and never will you ever forget the images you've seen? It's just burned in Those there. lyrics will never, ever leave my mind. You know what? I think that's trauma. I think that that's what trauma does. Trauma burns. Can, tra- can I get some... Can I get some sort of trauma compensation from Cardi B, you think? Trompensation? Trauma. Because don't... What? I, I just know. I'm, there's, yeah, it's it's not leaving. That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, now we get to intro what this one's actually about. <laughs> My goodness. Yay. So this was a... This is a... It was hard for us to put the finger on what we really wanted to go at with this particular podcast, the topic that in mind. Um, I'm not even sure what we have written down here is a great intro or if it's clear enough, but, um, what, what well, we, let's just, let's just talk about what, what made us think about this podcast. That's, that's good. Let's talk about that. I guess we should talk about it. All right. Great. Well, so this, <laughs> so this past week, um, John Piper wrote an article called policies, persons, and paths to ruin, which, uh, is in a great alliteration. Um, I wish the ruin... Somehow it could have been a P, but that's fine. Um, in it, he he condemns um, really both Trump and Biden as people that he won't be voting for. Um, it's, I mean, I guess for people who know his writing, it was more obvious. But I mean, to me, um, his analysis seemed a bit one-sided, which uh, kind of got me a little bit. I, I guess my concern with it uh, initially was that for someone who makes, um, for someone who has been communicating publicly for so long, it came off far more ambiguous than perhaps what he even meant. I don't know. The fact that he had to clarify by it with a, with a tweet later on kind of says to me that perhaps he feels he doesn't didn't do a great enough job of being super duper clear on this anyway but um but yes so uh i i read this and you know i i called justin and i was like what in the world is he trying to say so um and he had called me after i had already finally called piper no not you oh oh you had called me you just had to call me um no john piper does not know me <laughs> i'm not in the speed now <laughs> It's not like, oh, geez, what should I do here with this uh, passage from Ephesians? Hey, Justin, what are you... No, that's not happening. Um, one of the things, I, before we even get, before I even ramble, ramble down the story that, that you called me, um, <laughs> I, I just want to say I have, I, I have found John Piper to be a good biblical expositor and communicator, and I, I, have, I am appreciative of his teaching and instruction. Um, so this is in no way, like, this wasn't like... Let's come down on John Piper's article here because I disagree with it. Um, rather, it was because I know John Piper to be a um, a reasonable and and intellectual man that can communicate effectively. I expected so much more from someone who is finally going to 
as he said in his article, take up his pen to write an overdue article on the the what is the 2020 election cycle. Mm. Um, and I, I, I think in expecting more, I was just so um, incredibly... Um, <laughs> I don't know what exact word to use here. I was so incredibly oppressed by the lack of uh, reasoned accounting in his article that that it it, it caused me, I, I guess as they might say in the old times, much consternation. Mm. Uh, so when Jesse had called me, I had finally gotten over my consternation of the article and having had discussed it with some others and tried to break it down. And then he calls me, and he's having all these issues, and he's just reopening all these wounds, <laughs> just all these off the wounds. And I'm trying to work, you know, and I'm trying to do my job, and then all these wounds are being reopened, and then the scar tissue is exposed, and there was blood, and it was agony, <laughs> and and um, and so I, I it, it caused us not so much to inherently want to. The article simply gives us a good platform to move into. I think some of the issues that we're seeing develop around particularly those who hold a a biblical christian worldview um in our culture and 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 when i say that i don't believe this election has in any way um brought these issues about rather i think what has happened as so as so often does a cultural moment will happen that it simply exposes the undercurrents that are that are there so the the undercurrents are already there inside of the those that hold a biblical a biblical christian worldview and and because those undercurrents are there this election has not created them rather this election has exposed them um and so one of the things that uh, in in a particularly today on sunday we were, we were going through second peter and we started chapter two which is speaking a lot about straight up uh, false teaching and, and the importance of weighing in on it. Um, and I had this beautiful quote by Van, Vance Havner. So if you don't know who uh, Vance Havner is, you, you you should find out. Because if you need some one-liners, the man's a walking one-line machine. Um, he was born at the at the beginning of the uh, 1900s and, and uh, really became um, very influential um, in speaking engagements um, from from like the 1940s to 70s there in that area 60s um and uh and was was just very effective at communicating succinctly um clear biblical truths and we had a we had a quote from him and i think it's probably one of the quotes that most clearly calls me to where i think we need to be and so and so i'm going to put this quote out there and and help us to understand that this is like a, a an idea that comes from this article but more so what's generally happening inside of the the Christian um, worldview in our culture at the moment. So the quote is this, the early Christian Christians condemned false doctrine in a way that sounds almost unchristian today. Mm. I'll say it again so I can settle in on you. Let it let it let it marinate. Let that marinate. The early Christians <clears throat> condemned false doctrine in a way that sounds almost unchristian today and that's a tongue-in-cheek statement very very emphatically a tongue-in-cheek statement what he is saying is that we have adopted a view of what is quote-unquote unchristian today that doesn't allow us to actually speak boldly and emphatically against what is false teaching or what is what is heresy or what is what is incorrect doctrine or what is uh, wrong 
Worldly ideologies. Worldly ideologies, indeed. Which really brings us to another quote that we talked about today by, by Henry Ward Beecher. And that quote is, Whatever is only almost true is quite false, and among the most dangerous of errors, because being so near truth, it is the more likely to lead astray. And so I think what our attempt today is is to look at maybe using John Piper's article here as a as a skeleton um, to to flesh out this reality that that as as Charles Spurgeon said right discernment is not simply identifying right from wrong rather it is identifying right from almost right because almost right is the this is now that that was his quote so this is me saying almost right right is is almost is really the most worst wrong because it calls to you as if it is right and and it leads you away from what is right because it's almost right and sometimes we as people would rather almost right because almost right is far easier than what is actually right that sound right sound about right there jesse I said yeah. right way too many times just now. No, it's. I mean, that sounds about right. I mean, the the real issue is the real issue that we're trying to you know confront here is that, um, or, or or the real issue that I've been seeing that Justin, I think I think you and I have talked about this is that there's almost this sense in which now um, people are trying to be soft so that they can be winsome when they should be. Um, opening their Bibles and reading what it says and learning and growing and understanding. I've said this many times uh, in conversation recently that there is a huge problem when it comes to the American Christian understanding of the sufficiency of scriptures. Um, that the scriptures are sufficient, um, that they are profitable, that they are helpful, that they are um, good for teaching and doctrine and correction and and, and reproof and, and all of these things. Um, you know, that's from Second Timothy three. And when we look to worldly ideologies or worldly, you know, figures or um, evil um, evil ideas that manifest themselves in bad policies, speaking of specifically our nation. Um, we we close our Bibles and we put them aside and we try to reason with the reason of man and and God states all throughout His Word that the reason of man is is going to <laughs> lead you to error and destruction. Um, it is it is only through God's wisdom that that we can possibly uh, prosper and and live life uh, to its fullest, really. Um, and so when we when we close our Bibles uh, when it comes to issues of elections the purpose of government the the role of what a president is and his role in our in our government um in in our nation that's a really a unique nation in the history of the world um there's a lot of biblical principles that we have to draw on to be wise christians as we navigate these waters and um i i do i agree with you that i think that there are some oversimplifications that happen here and even some missing of the marks um as far as landing on what biblical principles and biblical truths and biblical understandings of concepts would have us land. So, um, you know, and, and obviously that was cause of many a consternation for myself as well. Mm. 
How much have been consternations? Many consternations. Yeah, I've been good. consternated for days. <clears throat> gonna need some preparation H for them consternations. That's for sure. Um, so, if you don't know who John Piper is and you're hearing this for the first time, I will reiterate yet again. He is a wonderful uh, biblical expositor and and teacher. Um, uh, don't waste your life. Wonderful, wonderful book um, to to check out, especially particularly if you're if you're coming to. Uh, a more um, basic understanding of what is this call that Christ has given me. Um, so I, I don't, you know, not boycott John Piper. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think that's happened Piper. from some, and I, I don't, I don't like that. Um, rather, this is, we must reason the scripture and the script. If, if the gospel is not pernicious in your life, then you're doing it wrong. Right. Uh, it's not something that simply sits over there. Rather, it in, it it is intended to to infect and affect every aspect of your life, right? That's that's what is the gospel. It's not something for over here. It's not a Sunday thing, right? Or it's not a in the home thing. It is a it is it is a from the pulpit. To the town square thing. It is it is all of those places, and it should be in all of those ways in every conversation. So so let's let's kick off this article to keep keep us going down this road. So hopefully we've laid out at least a good course, um, and we'll try not to be too long because again it was hard to pin down where to go with this, which is which can often turn into like a way too long of a podcast. So we'll try not to do that. <laughs> all right, right, Jesse, we'll try. We'll try. All right, he's going to help me try. Um, because let's just face it, he's better at time than I am. What's, what's our, what's our safe word? What's I'll, our I'll, safe hold up, I'll, I'll hold up. I'll hold up. You hold it. All right. Good. Hold up the small sword. Yes. It's small sword of. It's quite literally a small sword. Time. Time sword. All right. <laughs> Sounds like it could be an interesting video game. Anyway. Um, when, when opening up the article, here is, uh, here is how John Piper opens up his article. Um, this isn't the immediate beginning. This is still in though, in his introduction, I'm going to call it introduction section. He says, actually, this is a long overdue article attempting to explain why I remain baffled that so many Christians consider the sins of unrepentant sexual immorality, porneia. He's using, he's going to use the Greek words after each one of these, by the way, for a reason. Uh, It's coming up. Or unrepentant boastfulness. And I'm not going to read the Greek word there because I'm not going to do that on the podcast and then have people be like, oh, you don't know how to read Greek. And I'm be like, okay, I can read English. But, all right, unrepentant vulgarity, unrepentant factiousness, and the like, to be only toxic for a nation, while policies that endorse baby-killing, sex-switching, freedom-limiting, and socialistic overreach are viewed as deadly. And then uh, here's he goes on to say, the reason I put those Greek words in parentheses is to give a graphic reminder that these are sins mentioned in the New Testament. To me, more specific, they are sins that destroy people, they are not just deadly, they are deadly forever. They lead to eternal destruction. And right from the beginning, right from this very opening, he has, in many ways, oversimplified and created a false dichotomy that, that does, and I'll say this emphatically, that does not exist. And I say that emphatically because I don't want people to think that I'm somehow picking apart something that I, that, that, that some sort of layer of minutia. Rather, I'm saying that this holistically is incorrect. It is an incorrect view and use of these ideas that he bases this article beginning from. 
So, so what is correct in here? I, I, I will say this. Um, all of those things he mentioned, uh, all of those sins, are most certainly toxic for a nation. Uh, I will say the policies he mentioned are most certainly deadly. Um, you know, if you're going to put baby killing in there, and I mean, just enumerate that, it is literally by, quite, quite, quite clearly by definition deadly. deadly yes, um, and that doesn't even bring into, you know, we're not going there, but it, it, it's very; these are very clearly deadly. I will also say um, that sin destroys people. That is true, mm-hmm. um, and and sin is deadly forever in that. Sin leads us to uh, a place before an eternal God. God is eternal, and when you offend him, you offend him eternally. So so this is none of these are... I'm not disputing any of these as claims. Rather, what I am disputing is that there is an issue in setting up these things as toxic for a nation and these things as deadly. They're not, a, they're not something that is juxtaposed. Rather, they are both true. Um, they are both true. And it's also interesting that in doing this, when he sets these sins up versus these policies up, um, those policies that are being enumerated, it, 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 as he's specifically speaking about election, the policies enumerated are only held by one candidate. And when you're trying to set up um, something that is juxtaposed, what, what would then be almost implied, okay, is that those previous mentioned sins are only held by one candidate. Mm-hmm. That's not true. <laughs> that is also false. Rather, those sins are held by both candidates, and both candidates find themselves to be sinfully condemned men. Yep. Both candidates find themselves, indeed, sinning deadly and deadly forever. And indeed, both candidates, we would know and hope and pray, would find restitution and repentance and salvation in the, sal- the work of Christ on the cross. Yes. Yes, and amen. So we find this in agreement, but what we now see is that there's not a dichotomy set up, and there is no construct here, right, that perhaps some Christians think these things are only toxic for a nation and these things are only deadly, as if for some reason some Christians are supporting toxic things for a nation because that's what they want over th- some things that are deadly that they don't want right rather a christian should not want toxic things for the nation yep and also not want things that are deadly for the nation yep and should also want all of his leaders to come to the salva- sal- salvific understanding of jesus christ yep yeah and amen so we've already taken this beginning premise and said no no that's not correct Right? I mean, haven't we done that? I mean, if this premise is incorrect, then what would follow from the premise, we would have to then suddenly have to ask a lot more questions of. As we shall. As as we shall. So what I want to say right off the bat, though, um, and, and I'm, I'm going to be careful not to mention um, either names of the candidates, because um, I believe I actually wrote down, I don't I don't care. I don't care who you vote for. Um, but what what is important is that I care that you consciously know you cannot vote for someone without promoting their worldview. And then some people will say, I don't promote their worldview. I'm just voting for a person. No, understand something. That when you vote for someone, you tacitly or explicitly put their worldview in the driver's seat of decision making for you and the nation they lead. More plainly, you don't elect a savior 
but you do elect a direction. Right. And um, I, th- I think uh, Douglas Wilson made this point very well in uh, his article. How dare you mention his name? <clears throat> Such a bigoted and, and chauvinistic, arrogant, federal head-mongering... I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, let me see here. Um, Did I need to include more more offensive phrases that people would use of that man so that you could have found the quote longer? Uh, yeah. I might have to just paraphrase. Um, basically, it's... I believe in you. Uh, <laughs> you can do this. You're gonna do it. I know. It's. I feel. I feel close. It's so close. It's right there. In. <sighs> nope. But basically, he was he was saying that this is not this. This is a vote for um a, a, the direction of the country going forward from here. Um, the idea, I mean, he, he makes a, he makes a stronger, he, he makes a stronger case for, he, th- this is in the article, seven reasons why it is possible for Christians to vote for Trump, uh, without getting a defiled conscience and or losing their soul, <laughs> which is just so good. Um, also a little, perhaps tongue in cheek, perhaps maybe a very tongue in cheek. But it's, it's the idea that, um, the one, the one candidate, espouses policies that are pro-liberty and and pro-freedom that would then down the road allow for more free elections um whereas the other candidate wants to control government so much that it might not even be possible to have a, a principled election down the future because of the things that um you know and he makes i mean it's a you know 15 minute read of an article, but, um, that means there's a lot of words just FYI. Yeah. 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 Um, which is why I can't find these stinking quotes. Um, too many words, but, uh, but it's just, it's so when we, when we talk about, you know, voting for someone not to be our savior as if Trump or Biden could save our, save our nation, uh, we uh, Christians should all readily denounce that. And I, and I think that the, there is a problem in that some Christians would, would look to them, would look to either candidate as a type of savior um, in certain aspects. But really, that's not what we're voting for. We're voting for a direction of our nation at the high, highest, most level of government um, for the next four years. And and we, we don't want to blow up or oversize their role in that, um, you know, nor do we want to sap sovereignty from God um, in... In, in thinking that, um, in thinking that we are putting someone in place of him uh, when we when we cast our vote, um, that that's not that's not our role. It's not what we're supposed to do. So uh, yeah, I, I completely. Or indeed, as the psalmist says, we do not put trust in princes, in mortal men, in whom there is no salvation. Correct. Right. Indeed, that's that's one. That's Psalm one forty six three. In case. Where's the I voted sticker that says that? That would be a great idea. I told, we totally missed our missed our shot. Put not on your trust in princes. <laughs> I voted today. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, um, so, so in in going, so let's let's keep let's keep going with the article. I think we're I think we're getting we're getting somewhere to to at least expo- expositing what we're trying to to communicate here, and that is namely that. If you're going to hold a biblical Christian worldview, then you must hold 
a biblical Christian worldview in all things. And I and and here's where I would come to John Piper's defense. I believe that is what he was in was was seeking to go after. Right. And I believe that's what he was seeking to go after. And in that he was only attacking one perspective. Perhaps, perhaps that's that's how I would say it. Maybe it wasn't only attacking one perspective, but he was he was more forceful in attacking one perspective than another. So I would say that this way. Um, finishing up his 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 second section, he says, "My point so far is simply to raise the stakes of what is what is outwardly modeled in leadership, so that Christians are given pause." Okay, given pause. We should that that's wise words. We should take pause. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when considering our vote, this is true. He then would say, just after that, it is not a small thing to treat lightly a pattern of public behaviors that lead to death. Now, here's our problem. At this point, he is he has to have he is either telling us something or he is telling us nothing. Mm-hmm. So, if he's telling us something, then that means if he's going to tell us something, he is trying to indicate that we should be thinking hard, right? about a pattern of public behaviors that lead to death. Mm-hmm. If he's telling us something, then that would be trying to focus us in on any a particular candidate. If he's telling us nothing, which would be the most accurate use of this sentence, then what he's telling us is, you have to, it is no small thing to treat lightly a pattern of public behaviors that lead to death, is telling us nothing because it's both candidates, right? Mm-hmm. If it's both candidates, it tells us nothing. Inherently, but but that's why I, I believe there's a problem here. There's only one candidate whose public behaviors have been have been accosted thus far in this article, as opposed to another candidate's policies. Right. That's where we have a, a slight issue here, uh, and and wisely, as as I'm trying to also be wise, there's no mention of a candidate's names. Rather, there is a mention. There is mentions of what is perceived only as one candidate's public issues. Although, again, I will submit those are emphatically the same public public character issues of both candidates. And then one per, one candidate's perceived policy issues, which most clearly is only one candidate's policies right. issues. And so, what I would say here. If he's trying to tell us something here, he's trying to say that one candidate has a pattern of public behaviors that lead to death. And then I would say, no, that's that's if that's what you're saying, that's wrong. That is incorrect. No. Both candidates have a pattern of public behavior that leads to death. Right. Now, if the problem really here is that is if you're a Christian and you are ignorant to that fact, you will not be voting informed from a biblical worldview in this or any election. We should never be ignorant of that, and I, and that's why I feel like there's a there's a, my issue. My real issue is to say that there are Christians who don't who are ignorant of that fact and don't go into an election. They go into an election, and 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 to be fair, are there some? Certainly, is it is it even many or most? That I don't know. That I'm not willing to say. But it is not. It is something that that John Piper has already said. He has categorized this as many. So I, I don't even know if I'm willing to say that many Christians don't consciously deliberate the fact that they are voting for a sinful broken man every time they vote right right so not, how could you think that you're not I, I don't <clears throat> well I mean and again to be fair I think there are some who put so much stock in a man that right. they are blinded to their inadequacies sure yeah 
And that's just that's just a, that's foolish as that's just as foolish. It is just as foolish to as it is to be ignorant of the fact that both candidates every time or all candidates every time are sinful, broken men whose public behaviors often categorized in the scriptures lead to death. Right. Well any any sin characterized leads to death. Right. Which is why you, you don't you don't if you think <laughs> If you think that candidate, uh, I, I'm I'm not I'm, I'm going to maintain that I'm going to not not name names. I'm really surprised you made it this far, honestly. <laughs> Can, let's say candidate um, uh, blue, candidate blue um, is is arrogant and is is um, is sexually immoral, uh, and they are are boisterous uh and they are vain right those are all things that lead to death but candidate red um has aligned themselves over time with any political thing that will get them ahead including racists uh has has blatantly lied in any way taking any form of that lie that will put them ahead in political popularity and has uh, let's just say that they're they're your general class A corrupt politician seeking to get rich off of what they can do politically. Both of the, both the public actions of those two men lead to death because they are corrupting sin. It's not it's not an option between a moral better. <laughs> right. That's not what you you don't get that clairvoyance in your vote. So to make this to to set this up as if, right? There is a candidate that we are treating lightly, a pattern of public behavior that leads to death, it is foolish because the only way to do that is to discard the fact that both of these men are sinful and broken. You you have to discard that, right? In order to treat it lightly, because if you're not going to treat it lightly, then you have to say both men are evil, flawed sinners. So what are we to do? That's really, I mean, what 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 we're hoping he gets to, right? Right. Take me somewhere, John. Take me somewhere. Give me some clarity. That's what we need. Um, and I talked for a while, dude. No, I want. I don't want to monopolize. I mean, I, I don't have much to say in, under that section. I mean, moving on, moving on to the next section in his section of nations. I think just kind of further highlights just this idea that he that he started out not comparing things that are the same. I mean, he, he talks about, um, you know, he says flagrant boastfulness, vulgarity, immorality, and facetiousness and factiousness are self-incriminating, but also because they are nation corrupting. They move out from centers of influence to infect whole whole, whole cultures. The last five years bear vivid witness to this infection at almost every level of society. And here he's he's clearly taking a jab toward a, a singular candidate, but I mean it, it's obvious that he's only see the ironic thing is that is that this candidate's um, sins I mean there's there's nothing else to call them sins actually haven't really borne themselves out in their policy I think as much as John Piper would be trying to make the link in this section. Um, you know, for, and, and it doesn't take into account 
some of the realities of the prior administration as far as factiousness, um, you know, immorality and flagrant boastfulness. Um, I mean, it's, it's my, my whole problem with this article is that it seems to just really be coming down on one side very heavy. And to me, I just say, for, for what? I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to see where these sins are actually manifesting themselves in the policies. If he's saying the sins then flow into the policy, he's not making the connection between the sins and the policies. Right, it would, it would be an, it's an ineffective argument because it, the connection isn't there. It, it, the, connect, the connection's not there. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that it doesn't. I think that it eventually would. And, and I think that, you know, I, I think that the longer that you're in politics, you will be able to see more trends that way. Um, yeah, I would, I would agree with that, except for the fact that politicians continually have to get reelected by their constituents. Um, and so if that bleeds, if that's bleeding into their policies in a way that their constituents are, are not comfortable with, they simply don't elect that person. Sure, and I think a lot of times people people ignore those sins and ignore those bad policies and elect the person they're most comfortable with, which is why you have lifelong career politicians who haven't ended up doing a lot for their constituents as far in terms of actually... Yeah, it does seem that the lifelong politicians tend, tend to be the ones that don't seem to do a lot because right. if you do something, you actually have to account for it with your voting base rather if, if you don't do anything then at least you're not that guy right that guy says he's going to do something but look at me <laughs> right. i've only ever done what you've wanted me to do but not really because if i don't do it then you don't have to hold me accountable for it right. and we can all feel better at the end of the day <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um i mean and and the the, the over generalizations don't end there i mean the, the last the last um the last paragraph in this nation section says there is a character connection between rulers and subjects. When the Bible describes a king by saying he sinned and made Israel to sin, 1 Kings 14.16, it does not mean that he twisted their arm. It means his influence shaped the people. That's the calling of a leader. Take the lead in giving shape to the character of your people so it happens for good or for ill. And I, and I think, again, he's oversimplifying what is really a complicated process. Um between the trickling down of someone so far removed. So for instance, in a, in a monarchy, you know, the, the core the correlation, I mean, when you're talking about smaller, much smaller nations and much smaller regions, the distance between a king and his people is smaller. In America, the distance between me as a civilian or as a citizen and the president is quite large. There are many layers of state and local governments that have far more direct influence on my life than the president himself does. As is appropriate and intended by the Correct. Leg out yes, and that, that's how it, that is how it is supposed to be. Um, you know, and and I, I think that he's just mischaracterizing the the quickness at how this happens because I, I just I, again it's and it's hard because he's not trying to substantiate I, I feel like he's trying to draw on things that seem so or I guess are supposed to seem so obvious that he doesn't need to or perhaps it's just not his point but I, I just wish that he tried to substantiate this a little bit more because it's not hard if, if it's true you know um, I just don't think the point really lands and I, and that that's where my confusion 
that's where I walked away from the article. You know, we're not to the end yet, but that's where I walked away from the article with more confusion than clarity. Well, let me also be clear. It's not... This is a difference in... in this is a difference, a complete difference in kind as well. For example, when uh, when the the king of Israel would sin in his leading of the nation of Israel, he is actually sinning. It's not that he led poorly. Rather, he being the king of a theocracy. Let's never forget that God was the God of Israel as intended. And his king was to absolutely be the the man who was meeting out the decrees now as that man failed right god had already established a system but under his theocracy under his theocratic rule of of um what was substitutionary atonement through blood sacrifice that was that was built into how god had set it up because he knew the law would be transgressed so so that aside there's a very real connection between he sinned and made israel to sin in every way, not just in First Corinthians, First Kings fourteen sixteen, sure. but in every way that every king of Israel sinned, he sinned in a way that led and made Israel to sin because he was who the people had over them in their in the position they desired. Right? They right. could have had simply remained let remained letting God be their ruler. Rather, they wanted to look like other nations, mm-hmm. having a man in that place. Right. In that go between place. Yeah. And so it's very real there, but the difference is when Bill Clinton decided to use Monica Lewinsky as a human humidor, that's not my sin, that's his. Right. And he did not cause me to sin in that way because the, we are not set up as a theocracy in that way. Rather, it still allows me to say, that's gross, that's wrong, that's a sin. And it gives me the opportunity to vote or not vote for that man because of immorality or morality, but more clearly, I, I don't put a savior in the White House, and I never will. Right. Because my savior already died and rose again. He sits at the right hand of the Father of God, where he is sovereign. Just because we're in the in-between and the not yet doesn't mean one day we will not be at the co- final completion of time, right. where, where God has judged quickly and righteously and graciously. Right. And so I don't put a savior in there. I put someone whose policies I believe will most clearly and effectively affect what what aligns with my biblical Christian worldview. That is what is correct. Yeah? We're all right so far? Yeah. All right. So moving forward, uh, we then we then dive into this the section of his article which he ty- which he entitles Policies and Persons. Policies and Persons. And then, and he starts this this section right out, right out with, it is, is it not baffling then that so many Christians seem to be sure that they are saving human lives and freedoms by treating as a minimal the destructive effects of the spreading gangrene of high-profile, high-handed, culture-shaping sin? Right here, we are walking in it now. Like we are, we are knee deep in what is most certainly a more partisan <laughs> political take, and and really what becomes a the this divide that's happening inside of Christianity at the moment. That so many Christians seem to be sure that they are saving human lives and freedoms by treating as minimal the destructive effects of spreading gangrene of high-profile, high-handed, culture-shaping sin. This is not a real dichotomy. Right. It's not true. It's the same problem as earlier. It is. 
But now we're we're almost amplifying it through a megaphone. Right. So again, to be clear, I as a Christian will outrightly from whatever opportunity I'm given as pulpit or on social media or or anywhere will stand and say high profile, high-handed, culture-shaping sin is sin. It is a denouncement of God's truth. It's evil and wrong. Do not do that. Right. Don't do it. That's what I will do. And I will also make sure I am very careful to affect in my vote the policies that save human lives and save liberty for as many as I can. Right. It is, it is both, right? It's right. not either or. There's, we're not going to treat minimally the destructive effects of spreading gangrene of high-profile, high-handed, cultural-shaping sins. I mean, this, it's, 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 it's a very tiresome, it's such a tiresome argument as if a candidate coming into the White House suddenly actually made those high-profile, high-handed, and culture-shaping. That's not true. That has been every candidate that has ever been running for office. Right. As soon as they take that office, they must be careful to understand that their call is to righteously wield the sword. That is the call of our civil magistrate. Not their righteousness. Their God, they must righteously, in God's economy, right. wield the sword. That's how. That's why God has placed them there. And and to think that they that they they somehow, because they're in an office, make the sin worse or make the sin intrinsic to others is is it's it's not it's not. It's not inherent in our system. It's not a part of our system. So we have to be careful when we say that. I mean, to be sure, uh, I, I share in the similar sin, uh, similar sins that Barack Obama himself shares in, shares in. I share my, I share in many ways in similar sins that, that, that President Trump shares in. Why? Because they are both flawed, flawed, broken men who are sinful. It turns out sin is not new, and it is, it is absolutely the same as it has always been. It is me putting myself above God at any moment. Right? right. This, is, this is very true. So to, to set up a dichotomy as if some people are minimizing sin, right, while, while highlighting the, the need to not kill babies, right, or, or highlighting the need to uh, ensure liberty, these are, these, are, those are God, those are God things. Those are God things too. We call out sin as wrong and we hold up the things that are good God-given things as well. We do both. We denounce sin. We hold up the things that are good. So there's, there's no reason to set the dichotomy up in any way. And there's certainly no reason to let that dichotomy infect uh, your, 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 your voting in some way. As if you, you, as if by voting for someone, you're you're actually supporting their sin, rather than trying to call for the direction that their that their policies will will enact. I don't I don't I don't understand that that dilemma this this false dilemma that I'm in all of a sudden. Now we've gotten silence. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have, I don't really have anything to add to that. And I think, I, I think he then, he then walks right into this abortion discussion, which, which really is baffling to me. And I don't even know if we have time to, to really do it because I know we've already kind of walked through. I, I think that's it. Really, almost, it almost. Which maybe we should. 
a highlight one day looking at the uh, um, the Phil Vischer video and walking through it that that way. But I don't think we can address necessarily what is being said about abortion right now from a Christian perspective. I'm I'm I am quite literally at a loss to explain <laughs> right now what somehow we have Christians are doing. It's very confusing to me. Um, <laughs> it's just not 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 we <laughs> not we what some Christians are doing. <laughs> Think of it as the royal we, <laughs> the royal we, are doing as as Christians in in obfuscating on such a clear. Uh, it's so it's just not it's a, it's so clear. Um, like let, let's let's just say I, I I remember there was a pro life advocate who said that they would vote for a a communist Marxist dog catcher if he was pro life, and and the reality of that that situation is there will never be a communist marxist dog catcher that is pro-life because his worldview does not allow him to be so all of the words in that sentence besides pro-life are anti-life yeah the chances you would find that are impossible because the worldview does not allow it to be so um that it's it's and that in and of itself is is where we have to i can't i can't even do i can't do the abortion thing right now with what the culture is doing yeah but we he got, then we gotta wrap up anyway. yeah he then he then brings us to this section and this is perhaps the, the most the section that that was most um worrisome to me he entitles this section word to pastors and i will i will sum this section up for you uh and what i believe is an, an honest take from from what he says um his basic summation in this section is are you are you making Christians that are again? This is this is obviously written towards the election in America. So I'm speaking here at, in the American church and in the American context of this election. In this section, he's saying, "Are you setting up your church to hold on to the biblical truths, whether there is an America or there isn't, or are you putting over and above biblical views?" The idea of politics. And, and that's what he's cautioning pastors here to do. And thus far, my my concern in this article is, as a pastor, why have you created false dichotomies throughout your article? And and now you're thrusting upon the, the pastor that they must... And I, it's just such a... It's, it's it's almost it feels it feels like a low blow to pastors after i've already read what i i consider unreasonable statements such fault thus far right for example he ends the section on pastors um with setting up this the have you basically have you brought have you taught right Christians, the truths of God, or have you neglected these greatest of all realities and repeatedly diverted their attention onto the strategies of politics? Here's what I will, here's, here's, and here's how I answer that question. Yes, I teach that we, we hold the truth of God over and above our own life because it is more important that the truth of God goes forward than I live. Should I be given the opportunity to die for Christ in my context that God has put me, I should count it a joy as so many before me have. Right. Right? Amen. At the same time, if you think that there is any way that your 
gospel understanding of a biblical worldview does not affect your strategies in politics, then you are not doing gospel worldview correctly. Mm -hmm. It must affect those things. And I can tell you this emphatically is it's, it's something so clearly and, and, and perhaps he was a man forgotten by history, but thankfully he is not anymore. William Wilberforce is a man who exemplifies this holistically in the parliament in England, waging war against slavery. Why? Because his biblical worldview was pressed upon him as he was already in a political position to affect change and had to grapple with what do I do now with Christ in my position? It turns out what his answer was that Christ must affect my political policies and positions. Mm -hmm. And it pushed him and drove him in a direction. Yeah, I mean, this is this is why I mentioned sufficient the sufficiency of scriptures earlier. That scriptures are sufficient for all things that we could ever possibly confront in this life. Because if, if scriptures and our biblical worldview aren't to inform our politics, then that's somehow to say that politics are outside of the scope of scripture, which is just absolutely not true. I mean, then, then you are calling the scriptures insufficient, and we certainly know that that is anti-biblical. Amen. You, you, cannot, you cannot hold to the sufficiency of scripture. You cannot hold to the scripture being the word of God profitable for all things for us on this earth god's god's written word him speaking to his people and somehow think that he forgot about politics that that's that is such a dumbed down view of of the christian worldview and you know what i mean i can't imagine what this world would be like if god had not moved through um strong christian people throughout the history of the world to affect you know, the changes that have brought us to what is now our modern society. I mean, would, would anyone have even done science? Would anyone even have abolished slavery? Would anyone even have, um, you know, fought for, um, you know, the, the downtrodden, the oppressed? What, what, what benefit outside of a Christian worldview does fighting for the oppressed have? It, it has no value. It has no societal value. And I mean, it, it's, it's certainly, and you know it's funny, it's always a cycle simply of oppressed becoming oppressor perpetually forever outside of a Christian paradigm. Uh, right. That's all you're left with that's outside of a Christian paradigm. is depraved humanity. And, and that's why God had to speak in scriptures to, to, to treat the oppressed justly, not to stamp your boot down on the oppressed, but to, to look at the oppressed in their situation and treat them just as fairly as you would anyone else. It is the idea of impartiality that stems from the scriptures that is completely foreign to mankind. It, it, that is how we get to understand how to make just laws, to how we understand what just policies actually are, to how to figure out what policies are for the best societal good. We look to the scriptures for these things because the scriptures are sufficient. And when we do not, we are looking to man's reasoning for that, which is foolishness to God foolishness to god amen and, and that that is it is such a great loss to abdicate politics to the secular world god forbid we we let secular man rule politics the area that touches every life of every person ruling living on the earth uh, there are governments all over the earth not just in america and to think that to think that christians should just be hands off on this or to think that they're and, and it's such a betrayal of a gift that we have been given that we can even have our hands on this. Right. 
as Christians. Because there are places where Christians do not have the ability to have their hands on this and must simply live under the dictates Mm -hmm. of a totalitarian ruler. Yep. But here God places us. Why do we look at this gift and and think we should waste it in some way without letting the gospel affect it? Yeah, I mean, I was just listening to an interview with uh, Vadi Balkum and the guys from the Founders Ministries, and and he he was saying, you know, like only in America can we have the conversation about the police that we do. Um, he's like, if if I tried to call the police in Zambia, um, they wouldn't come. He's like, if someone broke into my home. My option, as far as police, would be to go find a police officer, pay him a bribe, and then he would come with me to my home and hopefully figure something out. Um, <laughs> is, is literally what he said. He's like, I, I there, there is no police in Zambia, um, where <laughs> where he lives. He said that he was at a he said when he was at a grocery store. What do you what do you? I guess when he was newer there, or whatever. And there was this giant commotion. There was all these police officers carrying, <laughs> carrying a man out on their shoulders while everyone's just beating on him, and the police are beating him. And he's like, what in the world's going on? And someone just turns to him, and he's just like, oh, that's a thief. And he's like, wait, like you guys could just do this to people? <laughs> like, talk about police brutality. <laughs> There's no, there is no restraint. There is no restraint. And this is what I was going to say. I lost it, but it come back to me. Isn't it true that Christians, and, and I'm not trying to be haughty, I, I'm trying to be, I, I believe this is completely biblical. Isn't it true that, that Christians who have their eyes illuminated by the Holy Spirit are the best people to interact with on the issues of politics and government because, because we can see the depravity of man, because we can we can learn and grow in our understanding of the righteousness of God. And because we see where those things interact to affect the biggest change, Christians are in the sole position to actually see and understand the plight of man properly and to devise solutions according to God's word to actually affect change on a governmental level, bringing salvation to more people as God would see fit. We're the ones in the best position to see that and to push into that um, because we, and, and again, I'm not saying that it is because of us. It is because it is only because the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes until the light of salvation, unto, unto the depravity of our own heart and to the beauty of the salvation that God has given us that we can actually see that. But it is true that God has done that for us and that to not, to, to think that politics is a, is an area of topic that we are allowed to be disinterested in is to not fully embrace the sufficiency of the scriptures and applying it to our situation where we live, where we're living. Right. This is second ten. This is second Corinthians ten five. Right. This is we are destroying speculations, and this is such this is such emphatic language. Destroying speculations and every lofty thing that's raised up against that thing that God has revealed to us. Right. The knowledge of God, mm-hmm. and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. These are these are emphatic statements yeah. from Paul to the Catrinchic Corinth. I mean, I, I was thinking today, and I, and I thought of several different analogies when we were talking through Second Peter. Um, just the idea of false teachers being wolves. Um, you know, like, you ask the question, you know, how do you fight a wolf? 
Well, you you don't try to be winsome with the wolf. That's not the tactic to defend against wolves. And and you know, in the same way, you you don't try to be winsome when you're fighting a war. You you protect your own life and you defend what you whatever you're defending with with the full intent of being the one that walks away. There's no there's not really you you don't you don't swing your sword and then then pull back so that it doesn't do its job. You have to demolish the ideas, and this is specifically what the te- that text is talking about. Mm-hmm. We are we're de- demolishing strongholds. We demolish arguments, and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive. We're talking about ideas, arguments, pervasive ideologies that are coming from Satan and influencing our culture and turning people's hearts even further away from from the truth and reality of scripture and we have the weapons of the war that we are to fight and when we do not take them up or when we pull our arm back and we do not swing we are losing we're going backwards not forwards we're not living up to what god calls us to be sadly so i mean these questions go on like this and i i mean we just i think we've addressed them most clearly but have you inadvertently created the mindset that the reading from the article again here ending this section on this word to pastors have you inadvertently created the mindset that the greatest issue in life is saving america and its earthly benefits um no no thank god i haven't what i i i although i I, as I say that, I will also say that thus far there has yet to be um, a, a greater nation um, that that has sought to affect the types of worldview that I believe is a Christian worldview on on the face of this this world, um, but perhaps excluding Israel um, that God called to Himself uh, in ancient times. So so uh, I I feel I feel confident in saying that, and I I, I do I do create a mindset that the greatest issue in, in my context is saving America, but not perhaps the way he means it. Rather, it's earthly benefits. Rather, it's saving America, calling America to repentance. Mm-hmm. America does need to be saved. It needs to be saved on its individual level from the individual sin that has offended a holy God that each person needs to uh, accept his salvation in place of their judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next question, or have you shown your people that the greatest issue is exalting Christ with or without America? Um, unfortunately, my context is with America right now. That, that's I'm, what we have. It's what we're, <laughs> like, I mean, like, I'm going to exalt Christ here with oh, America. Man. I'm in America, and I'm going to exalt Christ here. I'm going to try to affect as much Christ as I can in my culture here in America. If America dissolves, I will be in something else, and I will still seek to exalt Christ in it. And that is what I, I, I hope I always teach effectively as a pastor. Yeah, it's, it's the false choice again. It's the false choice again. It's saying... It's, I mean, it, it comes off as, and, and again, Piper is a very particular communicator, and I feel like he did not really communicate very well in this, because I'm sure if I sat down and talked with the man, which I'm never likely to do, um, not because I hate him or anything, but because... You plead, you think you will sit down with <laughs> No, I don't. I mean, <laughs> you know, but anyway, it, it's not as if... If we uphold Christ, America then falls. That, that's not that's not the choice. Or if we choose to uphold America, then Christ falls. That, that's not the choice. That's not the choice. We have America. We have a, a representative um, democracy. We have the ability to to speak and influence. Where we are, we are not shut out. I can uphold Christ 
and by upholding Christ and loving freedom and liberty, you know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And, and to, to think that, to think that if I uphold preaching Christ and America falls, no, ironically, America was founded on the principles that I would uphold when I uphold Christ, <laughs> the same principles of liberty, of, of, of freedom, of, of, all God-given. Yeah. All God-given Certain unalienable rights given to us by our creator. And I mean, to yes, it is wrong to worship America over Christ. It yes. is wrong Amen. to do that. And there are Christians that I know that put America on a pedestal over the pulpit. And that is not correct. Of, of course. It's just like, I don't know why we need... I don't know why we need to write an ambiguous article trying to come to some type of conclusion when you could just say that. That's wrong. You shouldn't do that. That's not biblical. Christ is king, not not America or whoever its president is. But to think that I, I can, you know, uphold Christ means to deny American values or to think that to uphold Christ means I, I, I shouldn't be involved in, in American politics is to deny god's god's calling on my life in in the place that i live to be able to actually influence these things unlike so many around the world and to be sure paul himself lived temporally as a citizen of rome as a member of the nation of israel all of that is under his true identity which was a kingdom building kingdom minded mm -hmm. member of another kingdom yeah and that's I, that's just that's that's how we live and i mean more specifically he even leveraged the earthly benefits of those citizenships here on earth at any given time which would cause him the most the which most gave him the most opportunity, opportunity for the gospel the exactly exactly oh gosh let us do that let us do that and not create i i just there's no reason to create ambiguity that that is here um there there is none I I, I, I I come to the end and I, and I read this last paragraph. With a cheerful smile, I will explain to my unbelieving neighbor why my allegiance to Jesus, why my allegiance to Jesus set me at odds with death, death by abortion and death by arrogance. So right there, I've, I, I have an I am I am offended. I am offended by that statement. Death by abortion, is immediate, clear, temporal death, right? Death by arrogance is a sin that is gangrene. Now, we, we need to cut that sin out. And it is a difference of kind, though. I will explain both of those things. Hopefully, I will explain the de that I am against the death by... Stop holding your head. You're, I know. They, can't, they cannot hear you holding your head. I just keep forgetting. I just keep forgetting how... Bad it is. So 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 he he says I will take him to Psalm one thirty nine and Romans one, and if he is willing, I will show him how abortion and arrogance can be forgiven because of Christ. Yes and amen. This is <laughs> yes, yes they both can. Yes they can. And I will invite him to become an exile, to have a kingdom that will never be shaken, not even when America is a footnote in the archives of the new creation. Um, I'm, I will, I will emphatically say that in the archives of the new creation, um, there will be no, uh, need for a footnote of America. Uh, we will have no need 
of it. And I am thankful for that time that is coming. Oh, um, my gosh. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Come, okay. I'm sorry. Can yeah. I just... No, good. I, 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 That's I, I, the end of the article, so feel free to, feel free to jump on okay. in. By the way, uh, just right. so we're clear, uh, <laughs> if you're not clear yet, John Piper is writing in a candidate. He believes you should vote for neither candidate A nor candidate B. Yes, he clarified that later. Write, write one in is what he uh, he says you, you can do. Uh, death by abortion. So, so when... <sighs> When a woman has an abortion, they are taking away the life of a human being created in the image of God. That baby can't repent of their sin. That baby has no life. It is taken away from them. It is killed. Christians can be arrogant. It is a sin that is... And committing the abortion is a sin that can be repented of. The dead baby can't repent of anything. It is just so... To equivocate the two <laughs> as similar is completely disingenuous. Yes, as the person committing the sin, yes, you find that you find that forgiveness. That's true. But the act of abortion condemns another person to death, whereas the act of arrogance. If you're arrogant to me, I could I could care less. It doesn't hurt me. Sticks and stones, brother. It it doesn't kill me. It doesn't make me any more sinful. This is true. It like it's just to equivocate the two is just so and it, it is ignorant at best and it is dis, um it is uh, deceptive at worst. That's not capturing the essence of abortion mm-hmm. that's that's not capturing that sin well enough mm-hmm. no, no no it's not no it, re- it really is you can equate abortion and murder when someone murders another person because it's essentially what it is those two are very similar sins but abortion and arrogance or abortion and even selfishness or abortion and you know name any other sin that doesn't directly kill another human being and you've made a false equivocation yes both can be paid for by the by the blood of Jesus Christ, and and are many many people who have had abortions are are welcomed into the kingdom of God as they repent of their sin, just like any arrogant man or woman does. But the reality is, and again, I'm I'm sorry, I keep having to say this, but someone died in the abortion. Arrogance doesn't kill you, unless you're like you know, for instance, a military leader who's being <laughs> arrogant, and and your arrogance then leads to you know death, but. Just the simple act of being arrogant doesn't directly lead to the person you're arrogant against is now dead. Yes, by God's grace, I I can I can comfortably admit that I I am I I find myself to be arrogant at times, and uh, He has been gracious to me to uh, hopefully make those times um, less frequent. Um, however, I, I as of yet have not have not died uh, because of my arrogance. Um, by by grace, what I am thankful to say. Is that all sin uh, has seen has seen through its culmination the the death of Christ and Him having paid for that sin uh, through salvation and that is the call. Um, so so there's no reason there's just no reason to equivocate the two. Let us call sin sin and let us be clear about what is true and what is false. Let us be effective, and let us let us not go to a to any election ever in the course of our lives, thinking we are going to put a savior in our Senate, or in our White House, or in our local state state body of assemblymen 
that that's not going to happen but you will elect in a direction and that direction comes with it policies and it comes with it um, um, alignments and you must understand that when you elect someone that is what you are putting as as people to know in place of the worldview that you hold so make sure you are cautious to evaluate that when you pull or push or fill in a circle that is what you must evaluate as a christian and your gospel worldview must affect that if it doesn't you're doing gospel wrong yep absolutely doing it wrong and if you haven't if you haven't sent mailed in your ballot by now you should seriously consider what what the scriptures have to say about casting your vote before you send it in. To not consider the scriptures when you vote is is a, a, an egregious omission of your duty and responsibility to include God in every aspect of your life. Because, you he, because he is God yeah. over every aspect of your life. Whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. God. Yes. Yes, and amen. And always remember, as Vance Havner once said, Satan is not fighting churches. He is joining them. He Ooh. does more harm by sowing tares than by pulling up wheat. He accomplishes more by imitation than by outright opposition. Ooh, so make sure that That's a you, chilling quote. Yeah, make sure you believe truth and not kind of truth. Kind of truth is straight lie. Yep. Alrighty. I think we'll end it there. Yeah. How long did we take? Way too long? We are at a minute and nine. Wow. That's or, I'm sorry. An hour. Yes, no, I, understood what, I understood what you said. An hour and nine. <laughs> well, that is a miracle that we did not go two hours. So um, by the grace of God, hopefully you find this helpful. And please, please feel free to push back uh, so that we can both push back effectively. Um, good argumentation is not to get angry and hate one another. Rather, it is to raise up good ideas and evaluate them in the light of all ideas. And we will seek to evaluate them in light of God's ideas. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, We'll catch you on the next one. And as always, seize seize the the faith. faith.